Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, lead pastor Eric Parks has part four of the iHeart series with a message titled, Can We Survive Without Friends? So we've been in this series, iHeart, and we've been looking at the four biblical forms of love, the four uh, Greek words that lay out love in scripture. And if you missed any of those, you can go back and you can check them out. But this week, we're talking about phileo, which is brotherly love, right? Like Philadelphia, phileo. You know, I was, um, in preparation for this message, I I was thinking a lot about this idea of connection, brotherly love, relationships. And, and, you know, you don't have to look very far uh, to realize that coming out of this pandemic, which we are coming out of, thank the Lord God Almighty. We are suffering as a people from loneliness. Now, pre-pandemic, there was some research that was done. Two out of every three people would describe themselves as lonely. Now, coming out of the pandemic, it's like three out of every four people. Like, loneliness has become such a reality for so many of us. It is why so many of us are showing up at church each week, going out to dinner. I was out last night, and it was absolutely bonkers because people are feeling so lonely. And the reality is, as we talk about phileo, I really want to hone in on this idea of not how we love each other, but what do you do in order to step into real relationships? Because this is what we know. I, I read this quote by Albert Schweitzer. He said, we are all so much together but we are dying of loneliness. Like, this thing is tricky, isn't it? Because it can make you in some ways feel connected, or at least you have the information of what's going on all over the world. People you haven't seen since high school, and yet we are more lonely than we have ever been as a people. So I'm gonna be pretty, pretty honest with you. I'm not gonna spend the next 20 minutes kind of, talking about brotherly love and saying, oh, we should love each other. I really feel like that if there was ever a time for a how-to message, this is one of those. In other words, how do you get into spaces where you can break the cycle of loneliness? Now, let me start by saying this. The Bible's pretty clear that spirituality is not a solo sport. We weren't meant to do this alone. We are, we shouldn't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Like part of us becoming what God had in mind, we got to do it together. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And I'm gonna use a passage from scripture that I think honestly is the best how-to. It's a great learning on how do we get into community like real life community that breaks the cycle of loneliness, that puts us really together with people who love us, that we can love, be loved, know, and be known. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna flip to Mark chapter two. Now this story, this passage, honestly, it's one of my favorite. I think because I see myself in these five guys that this story highlights. Now I would argue that this group of guys is the greatest small group of all time, of all time. Here's the story. Bible tells us 
that Jesus, he had gone to Capernaum. And the people heard that he had come home. So they gathered in such large numbers um, that there, weren't, there was no room left. People were gathering around. They wanted to hear him teach. Not even outside the door. No one could get in. Now, as we know, in those days, Jesus, his message, his word, it began to precede him. People knew when he was coming to town, and people wanted to see him, not just to hear what he had to say, but they knew that Jesus could do unbelievable miracles in their lives. And it caught the attention of these five kids. Now, we don't know where they lived. We don't know much where they're from, but we know this, that these five guys had an idea. They heard that Jesus was coming to town. They knew Jesus did all kinds of miraculous stuff. And they had this thought, we need to get to Jesus. So the Bible tells us they brought a paralyzed man, their buddy. They carried him. I don't know, miles? Probably. When they got there, they couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd, the Bible tells us. Now, this is the part that I love. I want to stop here. And you can take the verse down. This is why I think these were a bunch of kids and why I see myself in these. Like, I don't know if you have a high school kid or if you know a high school kid, but high school kids, if you're around them for very long, you will utter this phrase probably once about every 30 days. The phrase is, what were you thinking? (laughs) Anybody? I got an 18-year-old kid. His name is Graham. And regularly, I'm like, what were you thinking? What were you doing? Why, right? This is high school kids. And I often imagine these five guys as high school buddies. And here's why. Because somewhere along the way, they became friends. And somewhere along the way, they had the idea that we need to see Jesus, right? Because our buddy needs to get fixed up. They get there. They can't get in. And I kind of imagine this scenario. Now, you've got to go with me because the Bible, doesn't, the Bible doesn't quite tell us this. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to let you into my brain, which is a scary proposition, I sort of imagine these five guys and they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do, man? What are we going to do? We, got, we, we walked all this way with our buddy. We got to get him to Jesus. And so one guy says, well, here's what we do. Let's go to the back door. Let's see if we can get in the back door. Because there's people everywhere, right? There's people everywhere. So they go around the corner and they're like, dude, there's not a back door to the house. And then one of the guys probably was like, well, I mean, is there a window like we could climb through? And they're like, how are we all going to get through a window? How are we all five of us going to get through a window? So they all look at each other and they're like, man, I don't know what we should do. And then one genius probably someone just like my son says, I have an idea. What if we climbed on the roof, cut a hole in it, dropped him down in front of Jesus, and all of them went, that's a great idea. (laughs) But these are high school kids. They have to be, because this is the dumbest idea ever. They're walking into somebody's house. They're ripping a hole in someone's house. You can't do that. But these five guys, they climb up on the roof. They rip a hole in the roof. They don't care. They drop this guy, their buddy, in front of Jesus. And he heals him. And I thought about this story. And I thought about how lonely we all are. And I think it's not a stretch to say, It'd be nice to have some friends like that, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome to have people in our life that at the lowest points of our life would do anything for us? 
Now, this is a challenge with, I, 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 I'm fine with Facebook and Instagram and all the things that we do. But the community that we need are people we do life with who would rip holes and roosts for us. And here's, here's just it. It's not just possible. God wants this for you. And we have to be a place, this church, where we create space for us to find those kinds of relationships. So, how do we do it? I think we all go, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want some of that. I want some of that. I want some buddies that do that. So how? So I broke it down simple. Like, honestly, this story for me has two key ingredients. Two things that if every single one of us engage with, I am promising you, you can have relationships like this. You can. I call it a relationship IV because the two words I'm going to use are an I and a V. Relationship IV. How does it start? First step, you want to have relationships with people who will rip holes in walls, rip holes in roofs. It starts with intentionality. You have to be intentional. You know, in the ancient world, people often thought that people who were disabled, the blind, those who couldn't walk, anyone who had any sort of physical infirmity, in the ancient world, oftentimes people would think of these people as have done something wrong. It was a curse from God. There was something attached to them. They believed that the reason why that they were the way they were is because they had or someone in their family had done something wrong and God was cursing them. So there was already a stigma that was tied to anyone with any sort of physical abnormality. But you add on top of that in Rome during this time, it wasn't unusual for wealthy people to actually keep a person with a physical or mental disability. That's right, you heard me right, to keep them in their house, to keep them for entertainment, they called them fools. They would abuse these people for their folly. And this is the world that that kid on the mat was born into. No fault of his own, but immediately people would look at him and go, well, either he's, he's done something wrong and he's only good for being a fool. Now imagine being that kid. Imagine being that kid on that mat and imagine what it would have taken for him to build a friendship circle like the one he was in. Because see, from the jump, most people would have stayed away because they don't want to get any of his bad stuff on them or most people would have made fun of him. But somehow this kid on that mat built the best small group of all time. Four people, four kids who loved him so much they'd rip holes in roofs. And the reason had to be because he put himself out there. He was intentional. At some point along the way, he stopped being embarrassed of his brokenness. You see, every single one of us, let's be honest, let's be real honest, every single one of us are carrying a mat of some sort around. Yours might not be very, very visible, but if we're honest, this whole room, every single one of us has some brokenness we carry along in this world. 
bunch of you came in here and you thought, oh, wait a minute, I thought this was the church of perfect people. Just to let you know, not a one in this room, including me. Like, you hear me say this all the time. Like, I'm just like you. I have my brokenness. My wife and I get in fights. Sometimes I want to pull, well, I can't pull my hair, hair out for my children, what they do. Like, oh, I'm just a real human with real brokenness, right? I'm in need of a savior like everybody else. So that's a church where a bunch of broken people, and I think too often what happens is that because of our brokenness and we carry a mat, we get so ashamed of it that we're not willing to intentionally step into community because we have this fear that maybe if you knew who I am, if you really knew the mat that I carried, you wouldn't let me in the church, you wouldn't let me in your group, you wouldn't want to be friends with me. It's this secret thought that I'm way worse than you know I am. So what we do is, right, we put up pretty pictures of ourselves, and here's the challenge, and this is Instagram. Everything's manicured. It actually, this whole thing that's supposed to keep us connected actually creates more boundaries and walls. You know why? Because what you do is you spend a bunch of time manicuring, right? Because you see manicured. You see somebody and they post something from some wonderful place and you go, oh my gosh, their life's so good. Okay, so now I need to make my life good. Listen, this is a true story. This was before the pandemic. Chrissy and I went out. We were at this rooftop restaurant in downtown Denver. We got to laughing so hard because there was this this. This, these two girls, and um, they were all done up, ready for the evening, and we watched them, I'm not kidding, we timed, for 20 minutes, posing with phones in front of fireplaces and doing the thing, and then they'd come back and look, and more, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, and then, this was hilarious, they finally got the right shot for Instagram, and then they went on, and they posted, and they were like, high five, and then they went right back to their phone just doing this, Right? looking at what everybody else is doing. Look, I get it. We all have some brokenness. We're all afraid, especially in this highly manicured world we live in, that if I bring my brokenness out here, if I bring my mat, maybe you're not gonna let me in this thing. But I'm telling you, here, here, your brokenness is welcome. Here, in this house, we're all like in the same space. We're in need of a savior. We need some grace and we need each other. You know, there was an anonymous poll and it, it really spoke to me about how this idea of being lonely is one of these, um, we're ashamed of it. We're ashamed of our brokenness. We're ashamed that we're lonely. An anonymous poll was taken and people were asked, this is the one I referenced, are you lonely? If it was anonymous, Almost three out of four people said yes. But if you had to give your name, the number got cut in half. People wouldn't describe themselves as lonely. Why? Because we're ashamed. We're ashamed of the mat we carry, and then we're ashamed that we keep people away. Then we're ashamed to admit that we're lonely. We're just ashamed. We walk around with shame. And this right here is the evil ones. This is what he does to keep you isolated and by yourself. He makes you ashamed of everything. The mistakes you made, oh, there you go. He convinced you to do it. Once you do it, then he's like, oh, I can't believe you did it. He makes you ashamed for being lonely, ashamed for feeling this way, ashamed for having a mat. Listen, look, we're broken. That's why Jesus came, did what he did. Like this, the foot of the cross, this, this, this at the foot of the cross, the ground is level for all of us. We're all broken. 
But I can tell you, man, this kid who had his mat, if he doesn't step out and intentionally seek community, push aside the fact that he knows everybody makes fun of him, push aside the fact that he knows he has a disability, push aside the fact that this is could hurt. If he doesn't do that, guess what? He didn't get healed. He didn't get lowered through the roof. Intentionality. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great Christian philosopher and writer, said, whoever cannot stand being in community should be aware of being alone. Like, this is our truth. If we let our brokenness keep us from intentionally finding community, then we're just going to be alone. It's just math. And you know, it's interesting because I've thought a lot about what is it that keeps us from being intentional? Sometimes it's our brokenness. Sometimes it's we're fearful stepping out. But sometimes, sometimes it's because we did step into community at one point. We did have a great friend. We did have a great community and they devastated us somehow. Now here's, here's the truth. I'm not asking anybody to raise hands. Don't do it. But I guarantee you, if I were to ask Everybody in this room who's had somebody hurt them, another human being on this planet hurt your heart, I can almost guarantee you 100% of everybody raises their hand, right? And there's a bunch of us who's had people who we loved hurt us, friends, people we did life with, family, devastate our hearts, right, right? And so often, you know what we do is we let, if it isn't the mat, if it isn't our brokenness, we'll let that get in the way of us being intentional because we're like, I'm not doing that again. I don't want that again. I don't want to get hurt again. Getting hurt stinks. So let me be real for you, for you just for a minute. This will prove out. Look, this last two years have been the hardest two years of my whole life. Chrissy and I, went through all kinds of just trauma from moving. This is last year. This has been awful. There have been relational pain that's hard for me to describe. Now, I contribute to that. It's not a one-way street. never is. Sometimes we get hurt, and sometimes we do the hurting. But when we stepped into leading this church a year ago, the biggest fear for me was, is like, well, how am I going to do this? I got some brokenness and I'm super scared and I really don't know what I'm doing. And you're going to be in Colorado. We're trying to get Graham through this. Like, this is a fool's errand. What are we doing? And yet I, feel, I felt called to do it. Like God asked me to do it. And um, this last week was bittersweet. You guys can show that picture. Um, this is my small group in Colorado. And at the beginning two years ago, when we were like in the midst of some crazy relational trauma, my instinct was to push people as far away from me as possible. This church called, just so you know, and said, would you come here and be the pastor? I went, 0% not doing it. I can't, I can't do it. That was like November. Like I can't. Like I can't be around people. 
Chrissy's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Be by myself. Go get in a cave somewhere and just, you know, cry for a while and be by myself. If you've been hurt, you know what I'm talking about. But something triggered in me around January, about the time God started working on my heart about this place. He's like, you cannot do this alone, Eric. You can't do this by yourself. And so I went to Chrissy and I'm like, we don't have any friends right now. We don't have a friendship circle. Everything we knew got pulled apart. What do we do? And she's like, well, I think you, we gotta go get some friends. <laughs> I'm like, well, what, how, what are we, how? She goes, pick up the phone, call people you know, invite them to the house. And I'm like, you mean just that, that's it? She's like, bro, you've been doing this for 25 years. It's not that hard. Pick up the phone. So I went and I called this group, people I knew. And I said, I just need some friends. Do you guys want to come over? And we had these Enneagram books and we were like, we'll give them out to everybody and we'll have a meal. That group turned into this group. Group that two years later, we had to say goodbye to this last week. So this has been like the week of goodbyes. We move here next week. Like we're, we're moving from Colorado for good. For good or bad, we're coming, folks. That's nice. That, that's nice. If people would have booed, I would have really been sad. So, so this group, we said goodbye this week. And I realized something as I was prepping for this talk. The sweetness of what's happened in this group with these people over the last two years, would have never happened if I would have let my pain, the brokenness, get in the way of intentionally pursuing something I know I want. Do we, do we often get hurt again? Well, yeah, because we're human beings, this happens. But is it worth it? I think it is. What's the old saying? It is better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. I think it's better to have been in a group with people who rip roofs off the roof for you than to not have those people. And that means we have to be intentional. But second, and I think this is what this story, at least this speaks to me, is that it's not just enough to gather a group of people around you. And let me talk to the men for a second. You guys can take that picture down. Fellas, I'm just gonna be real for you with them. You know, Father's Day's coming. This next part is the part that's the hardest of the IV, of the relational IV. Some of you are great getting guys together. You go out on the golf course. You love doing that. Watching the fight. You'll do that. Talking about the Cubs, you'll do that. Talking about the Bears, why? I got my orange shoes on, but don't you mistake the loyalty. This is about the Broncos. This is not about the Bears. Now, um, that, that, that does elicit a boo. <laughs> um, listen, listen. Here's what happens, fellas. The V, the IV, it's one thing to be intentional, but then the next step is really key, and it's really about vulnerability. Like, if you're ever going to step into relationships where people rip the roof off you, they have to know you, right? That means they can't just know that you're, what your favorite teams are, and there's a place for that. They can't just know, like, what your handicap is, and that there's a place for that. They can't just know what you love about vintage cars, and there's a place for that. But we have to create intentional spaces where we open up our hearts, and gentlemen, ladies, all of us, where we're vulnerable. Like, again, look at this story in Mark chapter two. You don't do that stuff for people that you just casually know. You rip roofs 
off of people. You don't stop for people you know know, right? Like you can almost see in my mind's eye. I bet you the most uncomfortable person with this whole silly plan was the kid that was going to gain the most by getting in front of Jesus. You can almost see these four guys, they weren't going to take no for an answer. Think about it. They didn't have power tools. They didn't show up with stuff. This wasn't the A plan. It's pretty clear in the Bible, the A plan was get them to Jesus, walk through the front door. These dudes loved him so much. They knew him so well. They're sawing through a roof. They probably all went to jail. They didn't care. Why? Because they knew that kid. They knew him. But you can't be known if you don't let people know you. That means you have to be willing to open up your heart and be who you are. You have to take the risk to be vulnerable. I, I, ran, I ran across this from Raymond Burren. He wrote this book called Bits and Pieces, and he's talking about the kinds of community we long for, the kinds we want to build. And let me be clear, the kinds of kinds of groups we want here in this church. A place where people find their people. And here's what he says. He says, these kinds of friends, these, these kind of spaces, it's where your soul can be naked. They ask you to put on nothing, only to be what you are. They don't want you to be better or worse. And when you're with them, with these kinds of friends, rip the roof off, friends. You feel as if a prisoner who's been declared innocent You don't have to be on your guard. You can say what you think as long as it is genuinely you. Friends understand those contradictions in your nature that lead others to misjudge you. With them, you can breathe freely. You can uh, avow your little vanities and envies and hates and vicious sparks, your meanness and sometimes absurdities. And And in opening them up to friends, They're lost, dissolved on the whitewash ocean of their loyalty. This is what we want. We want to be in spaces where people love us, we're gentle with us, they're kind to us, and where we get to return that to people. This is the kind of community that God had in mind. And this is the kind of place We want to be. Look, reality is, the reason why gathering matters isn't just so we can listen to a marginal preacher in awesome orange shoes, right? (laughs) Or listen to Carrington, who is amazing. No, no, no. We gather because there's something that happens when we gather together. But it's more than just Sunday. Many of us are coming because we're looking for people that we can connect with and do life with and find purpose with. And we want to be that place. And and I'm absolutely confident that if you're willing to take a relationship IV, to step out intentionally, and then to begin to open up who you are, and listen, I'm not expecting that the first time you step into a group of people you don't know that you're supposed to just like bleh, right? (laughs) But it is this idea of being comfortable enough that you're like, hey, I'm going to let you get to know me, like who I am. My brokenness, some of the crazy thoughts that I have, who I'm about, and see, see, this is it. Listen, I could see nothing more beautiful 
and groups of people who begin to open up and say, here's who I am, and we really don't care if you're red or blue. <laughs> be a Republican, be a Democrat, great. We just, but I know who you are. I know your heart, doesn't really matter to me. Matter where you grew up, that doesn't matter to me. I wanna know you, and you're safe with me. I care what you think about. And it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth the fight. It's worth being intentional. And the Bible's so clear in so many ways with the story says, you think it's worth it? You think, those, you think it was just about the guy on the mat? No way. No way, man. I gotta believe the guys who were most excited that that kid got healed, sure, he was healed. But you know those four guys were going nuts on the roof, high-fiving, just going nuts. And then I imagine Jesus look up and he sees all this straw falling down and the four guys are like, ooh, you know, they like run off the roof, right? They, they got to see healing and that healing became theirs too because they knew each other. This is what happens. John Ortberg says this and I love it. Human beings who give themselves to relational greatness, who have friends they laugh with, cry with, learn with, fight with, dance with, live and love with and grow old and die with. These are the human beings who lead magnificent lives. And that's for you. But you have to be intentional. And you have to open yourself up and let people know who you are. So church, I'm gonna close with this. I said this was a how-to message. So here's the simple call to action. First, speaking of a long two years, all of us have had a long two years, especially the last year, right? Like some of you got COVID, got real sick with COVID. Some of you may have lost family and friends because of COVID. We've been locked up and put away this has been a hard season. Then, as a church, let's be real, like this last two years, for those of you that don't know, this has been a real hard year for us as a church. And a bunch of people that we know, friends that we have, they're like, I'm done, I'm out, I'm not going back there, I'm finished, right? They're like, I don't like his jeans, I don't like the name change, I don't like any of it, I'm done, I'm finished. So here's what I'm asking. I don't care if this isn't where they come back to church. But if you know people who you used to be connected to in this place, you got to reach out to them this week. Maybe you invite them back. They're welcome. I'd love to see them. But the reality is there may be some people in your world who just need you to reach out and be like, hey, are you, you okay? How you doing? And maybe you do invite him back and you say, come taste and see. Just invite him next week because Steve's preaching and he's so much better than I am. You know, and, and then you kind of point to Carrington and be like, just listen to that kid sing. Listen, listen, maybe we invite him back into our world and say, listen, just come taste and see because this is what we're doing. This is what we're building, a place of us. Like we're all broken. We're all, we're all in need of a second chance. Maybe you give us a second chance. Come and taste and see with me. But either way, what would it look like if whoever that person on your mind is, you pick up the phone, you send a text, you give a quick email, and just say, hey, how you doing? 
Can we get together and get some coffee? Can I invite you back into our space? We'll love you. We'll love you back in. And secondly, we also have to organize some stuff around that. The truth is, like, in this season, a lot of us are clamoring to be in groups, to be with other people. We don't care who they are. We're like, if they just have a pulse, I want to be with them, right? (laughs) And so here's what I'm asking the second CTA. This summer, we're launching our first set of, like, Forest City Church groups. And we need some people to lead those groups. We need a couple of you to be intentional, to be bold and be intentional. Now, let me explain what that means. It actually means absolutely nothing. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. You don't have to be like a scholar. What you have to do is just be willing to bring some people together. And here's what's cool. There are no rules this go around. In fact, all we're saying is this. If you are like a mountain biker and you're like, I'd love to have like a bunch of guys that like to mountain bike. Great. Start a mountain bike group. Talk about Jesus and go serve somewhere in our community once a quarter. That's it. That's official. You don't have to study the thing from the weekend. You don't have to do a Bible study. But some of you are like, oh, I'd like to do a Bible study. I want to do a Bible study. Well, there's some other people who want to do a Bible study. Step up. Do that. Some of you want to knit. Why? Well, whatever, no, no, whatever, whatever your thing is. We're saying, what if we, as people go, hey, this is my thing, and maybe I would step out and lead, and we're I start a basketball group, or a knitting group, or whatever group. So simple. If you're remotely interested, or convicted, or want that in your life, why don't you take a step and start that? And all you have to do is when you go out into the lobby, there's a whole crew of people. They're ready for you, waiting for you. We'll sign you up real quick. We'll give a little training. It's like a really simple deal where we tell you everything you need to know, and then we'll cut you loose. Little Jesus pockets all over the city, some riding mountain bikes, some playing basketball, some studying the Bible, all of us about Jesus and reaching out and connecting with other people in our community. I mean, it's an insurmountable force. That's... What happens when the church leaves the building? And so, I want this for all of us. In a season when we need it more than we know, I'm asking, would you reach out to somebody this week and connect? And would you consider stepping in and leading something this summer? Try it out. See what happens. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful that you allow us to that you allow us to live in community. The great model is the Trinity, that Trinity is this model of perfect community. So Father, I just ask for all my friends that you would give us courage to intentionally step out, reach out, step up, and then when we begin to create these spaces, to let people see who we really are. We know in all this, you will grow us to be exactly who you want us to be, And we believe that following you isn't a solo sport. How fun it is when we can do it together. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I'm so grateful for you next week. Like I said, Steve's coming back. So invite your friends next week. I love you guys. We'll finish the series next week. See ya. You've been listening to Forest City Church lead pastor Eric Parks with a message, Can We Survive Without Friends? You can watch the online version of this message by going to youtube.com slash Church. Thanks for listening.